0: All right, you all believing with me? Yes. All right, let's pray and jump into it. This is uh, Conscience Part 10. We're talking about strong conscience today. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for showing up here today. Uh, Thank you for the anointing and giving me utterance. As we all set our faith in agreement to hear from you today, I thank you that you give each individual a spirit of wisdom and revealed knowledge of who you are, what your word says, and enlighten the eyes of understanding. Uh, And help us to make course corrections in life so we can enjoy all the riches, honor, and life that Jesus paid for us to have. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Take this off. All right. Romans 9 and verse 1. Strong conscience says this. I say the truth in Christ. I lie not. My conscience always bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost. We're talking about conscience. Now listen. This is the key is that your conscience will never lie to you, right? right. Always tell you the truth, right? And, the, and Jesus said, Father, thy word is truth. So if there's anything that doesn't line up with the word, it didn't come from your conscience. Right? Okay, go to the next one. We saw that this conscience is the ability to co-perceive. It's our co-perceptor. In 1 Corinthians 6, verse 17 says this, He that is joined to the Lord is one spirit, like coffee and creamer. We're mixed together. We're one. You can't separate us anymore. That's good. That man, That's, that's, that's like the best news that you could hear anywhere, is that your spirit is mixed with the Lord's spirit. Man, that's the boy that fixes in, isn't it? Because when you walk into the room, the creator of the universe is walking in, and not just with you, but part of you. Okay, go to the next one. We saw this, that conscience is only found in the New Testament. It's the voice of your born-again human spirit that communicates to you everything that the Holy Ghost knows. Now, the trick is hooking up with that so that I can get it in real life, real time. I don't want it to just be theory. I need it in real life, real time. Go to the next one. We saw this, that a good conscience is, is what we have. It brings peace. It affects the mind agreeably. And, it's, and it always tells you the truth. Go to the next one. An evil conscience we saw is full of labor. It's a voice of guilt. It's full of annoyances, hardships. It's pressed and harassed. That doesn't belong to us. That was what they had in the Old Testament. That's what people that aren't born again deal with. And we've got to dump that. Go to the next one. So because we're washed of that, it doesn't belong to us. We're looking at six conditions of a good conscience. And we, we hit pure and defiled weak. And today we're going to start on strong. Go to the next one, Josh. Just to put you in, remember, it's pure conscience. number one thing to remember about keeping yourself pure is that you've got to be clear of any admixture of what is false. And not just a big lie, but even the little lies are the scary ones. A lot of truth mixed in with just a little bit of lie. That's a dangerous lie. Go to the next one. Then we saw this in 1 Timothy 3, verse 9. It says this, holding the mystery of the faith in a pure conscience. If it's a mystery to you why your faith didn't work, it was because somewhere you got defiled. Well, All right, we're all good with that. Okay, go to the next one. Defiled conscience, I used to like to use the word violate because it's an unauthorized intrusion or an assault on your airspace. We want to identify something that's false a long way out, 300 miles out. I don't want to wait till I've already accepted it. Right, and I keep going back to this whole tithing thing because we all accepted that, and then we had to fight that, and it was a big, massive fight when we found out that tithing ain't so-and we don't get a hundredfold return on it. You remember that? That's why we don't even use that word tithing anymore because tithing is just one offering. Okay, go to the next one. We saw this in Acts 24, verse 16. Now, because we're going to start talking about strong conscience here, and I want you to remember this verse because we're going to hone in on this kind of stuff to get strong. It says this, Herein do I exercise myself to always have a conscience void of offense towards God and towards men. I have to exercise who? Myself. I can't exercise you. You can't exercise me. Kimmy can't exercise me, and I can't exercise her conscience. We, each have to, we are all responsible for our own exercise and our own conscience. Okay? Amen. Go to the next one. We saw this as a weak conscience. Without strength, feeble, powerless, and needy. Now look, I've been saying this, but I want you to remember in Mark 14:38. Jesus said that the spirit is ready, but the flesh is weak. Your flesh will always be weak. We're not talking about a weak flesh right now. I'm talking about a weak conscience. Everybody has weak flesh. If you have flesh, it's weak. Jesus said it. Now, I'm not confessing anything bad over you. It's just it's an absolute truth that if you have flesh, it's weak. So, in order to be strong, can you ever be strong in your flesh? Never. So, in order to be strong, the only thing that we can be strong in is in our conscience or our spirit. So, if you have a weak conscience, if you're without strength, if you're uh, feeble or powerless or needy, you've got a weak conscience. Now, listen. If you physically... If you have no strength, it's because you did know what? Exercise. Y'all found that? So, if I have a weak conscience, it's because I did know. Exercise. Okay, good. We're with that. Go to the next one. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 14 says this, Now we exhort you, brethren, warn them that are unruly, comfort the feeble-minded, support the weak, and be patient or refuse to give up on all men. Now we saw this, that if you're weak, but you're wanting to get strong we will support you. If you're just feeble-minded where you always want to stay in a state of weakness, I'll comfort you. I'll pat you on the back, make you as comfortable as possible with my nice words, oh, that's a shame, and send you on your way. You, you all found that? I'm not going to waste any resources supporting somebody who's feeble-minded. That's caught a lot of us because we've been taught that, you know, well that's not what Jesus would do. Really? What would Jesus do? Jesus would comfort them and then go on to the people that he could support. Ask all those people in Nazareth that he couldn't heal when he went there to heal them, and they said, well, you the carpenter's son. And they didn't receive anything from him? Move on. Okay, that, that's what Jesus would do. That's what Jesus did. Okay, go to the next one. Now, Luke chapter 2. We're getting into new stuff today. We're talking about strong conscience. Luke chapter 2 and verse 38. This is talking about Jesus when he was growing up. It says, and when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord. That's when Mary and Joseph took him to the temple to get circumcised after he was eight days old. They returned into Galilee, into their own city of Nazareth. And the child, Jesus, grew and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now, if Jesus could grow strong in spirit, don't you think we could... If he had to, let me ask that question, if Jesus had to get strong in spirit, he had to grow and become stronger in spirit, don't you think you're going to have to? Yeah. Because we're not above the master. So we have to do uh, the same process. We're going to have to grow up spiritually. I oh, remember that about child and son and all of you. Access that information, because that's where we're going with this. Okay, go to the next one. Now, that word strong in spirit, that's a strong conscience. It's the Greek word kratayoō, which is from kratos, which means dominion or to have dominion. So what he did was his spirit, as he got stronger, what it was was his spirit started to take dominion over his weak flesh. That's what we need to do. Because if, if you're in the flesh, you're always going to be weak, right? We know that. But we've got to move from weak conscience or weak-spirited to strong. We've got to be able to dominate, and the very first thing you've got to dominate is your flesh. Go to the next one. All right, now look. There's two. In order for you to get strong, or me, or anybody, to get strong. Got to have, there's two parts to this. Two parts to getting strong. One is on your end, and one is on your minister's end, or your pastor's end. So we're going to talk about my end first, and if we have time, we'll get to your end later. If we don't get to it today, we'll get to it next week. But look, But I'm going to tell you, that I'll make this statement up front, that the number one reason people in the body of Christ are weak-spirited today is because their ministers didn't do their part. If the pastors were doing their part, then it would put you in an atmosphere and an environment for you to do your part to get strong. But if the first one, that's why I'm going to talk about what I have to do first. If I don't make that environment for you, then you won't get strong. Very few people will if you're not in an environment. Because you'll be yoked up to somebody that isn't strong. And if you're yoked up to somebody that isn't strong, is there any way for you to get strong? It's impossible for you to go beyond whoever you're yoked up with. Right? So so pick who you're going to yoke up with well. Because if you yoke up with somebody that's weak, you'll never go beyond them. Okay? First or 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 1 says this. We've seen this before. It says, Therefore, seeing that we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. It's Paul talking. But have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. We don't walk in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully and the Greek says to ensnare people, but by manifestation or exhibiting, displaying the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And that word commending ourselves means that we confer our trust to your conscience. My job as a minister is to do two things here. I've got to manifest the truth, I've got to display the truth in my life to you, and I can't use the word to manipulate you. And I have to have confidence in your ability to hear from God for yourself. Cause that's what your conscience is—the part of you that'll tell you what God's saying, isn't it? You see, I got to confirm my trust to how many men's conscience? Every man. Does, that means I don't get to pick and choose who I confirm my trust to. That if you're if you're sitting under if you're at the clock, I have to, according to the word of God, confirm my trust that you hear from God and that I cannot give you Ramah for you. You all follow that, right? Now watch, because most ministers, they don't confer their trust to their people. In fact, they, they do the opposite because then they don't feel like they're needed. If you can hear from God for yourself, if you're not coming to me to find out what you need to do, then they think ministers think that they're out of a job. I, isn't that right? See, this is very unpopular that you know, uh, that ministers would teach you to hear from God for yourself. You don't need me. I, that's the end goal. Is for you to be so strong that you don't need me. Look over here in Psalm 119. Here's my goal for you. Psalm 119. Let's look at verse uh, 98. Thou through thy commandments, what are commandments? Ramah, right? Aren't commandments spoken, Rhema, from God? Do you all remember that from Psalm 102? Okay. Thou through thy commandments has made me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever with me. So, two things I know about this is that when I get Ramah I get wiser than my enemies because I'm with them all the time. You're never going to get rid of your enemies. As long as you're on the planet, they're always with you. Isn't that what I just said? Okay. But, but as long as I'm wiser than them, they don't really matter. Then look at this next thing. I have more understanding than all my teachers. That's my goal for you. My goal for you is that you not only be wiser than all your enemies, is that you would go beyond me. And every minute... See, if, I, if that's not my goal to make you strong and make you beyond to go beyond me, far beyond me, then I'm not doing my job. If my job is, oh no, you could never go beyond me. You ever seen that attitude with ministers? Absolutely. Run from them. They're not interested in making you strong. They're not interested in you being wiser than your enemies. If they're not interested in you having more understanding than them, then they're not interested in you being wiser than their enemies. See, if ministers would get a hold of this and let you go and get you, cut you loose to go be strong, then all their problems would be taken care of. Because the reason they don't trust you is because they're getting their money from you. They make their living from you. And, and, and so they think they've got to work you to get their cash. And they've got to work you to get your service. Otherwise, who would do this stuff at the church? Isn't that really what... And it's kept all of us in the body of Christ weak. So, any minister that that's not their end goal—that you go beyond them—run! Don't 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 yoke up with somebody like that, that are always trying to keep you beyond. No, I, you know my uh, look over here in, in uh, Third John. Third John in verse two says this. Beloved, we all know this, don't we? I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospered. For I rejoiced greatly, said the Apostle John, when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest or traffickest in the truth. You're trafficking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk or traffic in truth every minister that should be if they don't my greatest joy is that you're strong that you're walking and trafficking in the truth that you have wisdom over all your enemies that you walk in victory and that you are in health and you prosper even as your soul prospers that's my it that gives me great joy on the other side of that if you're not walking in that it should give me great what grief most ministers they don't they you know they say they want you to do good but as long as you don't do better than them now, I'm hammering pretty hard because this is what's kept the body of Christ down for about 1,700 years. That's why I always hated this difference between clergy and laity. I'm in the fivefold ministry. You can't show me that that was Jesus' attitude anywhere. He said we're all kings and priests. That we're all part of His body. That He's the head. If He's the head, there's only I mean, anything that has more than one head is a monster. Right? So parts is parts. Any part of the body is just as important as any other part of the body. Don't believe me, we'll cut off any part that you think that you don't want. That's stupid. Yet, we'll, we'll buy into this, you know, old five-fold ministry crap. I'm not supposed to say that. Got to edit the tape. Yeah, Kimmy's not here. People don't listen to you anymore. They ain't listening to me now, so it don't matter. All right, but Listen. So my job as a minister, turn over here to Ezekiel 34. We're kind of on a rabbit trail, but that's all right. I have really two jobs in order to make you strong. I have two things that I have to do to get you in a spot where you can be strong, to enable you to be strong. Ezekiel 34 and verse 1 says this, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man... Prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Now, I want you guys to remember remember when we did the El Shaddai series? Now, Jacob we had his name turned, changed into Israel. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then God said, Oh, your name will be Israel from now on. But then God went back to calling him Jacob. Do y'all remember that? Yeah. Well, see, because Israel was the guy who was in charge of the covenant, he was the one who was picked to keep the covenant. Remember, because Esau, he despised his birthright. He despised keeping the covenant. So Jacob, who wasn't his rightful spot, he was picked to do it. But then Jacob kept going back and doing stuff naturally outside the covenant. And every time he did, God would call him Jacob. In the Bible, when you see the Jacob or the nation of Jacob or the seed of Jacob, it's talking about natural, physical seed of Jacob and Abraham and Isaac. That's Jewish folk. When you see the word Israel, he's talking about all the people that are in seed in covenant. You know, you're Abraham's seed. Isn't that right? When you see Israel, red flags should go off. That's anybody that's in covenant. Old Testament or new, it, it, anybody who's in covenant. Remember in Galatians chapter 6 we said that circumcision or uncircumcision availeth nothing, but if anybody keeps in between these boundaries that he have peace with God and the Israel of God. Remember that when we saw that? And then it, The word Israel means a prince who has dominion and power with God. The, that You are in Israel. Anybody that's in covenant is part of Israel. So don't be like, well, that ain't talking to us. And I'm talking to pastors right now and myself because they say, well, he's talking about shepherds of Israel. No, if you're in the covenant and you're pastor and you're a shepherd of Israel. Okay? All right. So he says this Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel, prophesy and say unto them, thus saith the Lord, God unto the shepherds, Woe be unto the shepherds of Israel that do feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? Did you see that? (laughs) Unfortunately, most people in my profession are feeding themselves at the expense of their flock. They're not feeding their flock. They're feeding themselves. He said, woe unto you. You eat the fat and you clothe you with wool. You kill them that are fed, uh, but you feed them not. The diseased you have not strengthened, neither have you healed them which were sick, neither have you bound up that which was broken. Neither have you brought again that which was driven away. Neither have you sought out them which were lost. But by with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So my job as a minister is not to rule you by force and cruelty, but to confirm my trust to your conscience that you're hearing from God and to feed you. Now think about this. If if Your mom and daddy, when you were growing up, in order for you to get strong, didn't they have to feed you and if they fed you junk, you're not going to really get strong, are you? I mean, Cheetos and Twinkies ain't going to get it. I mean, as a kid, you might want it, but it ain't going to help you in life any. And you could turn on like TLC or Discovery Channel and watch all those, you know, shows where super obese people and it all started out with mom and daddy feeding them Twinkies and Cheetos. Now, for a long time, people in the body of Christ been cresting, getting fed that junk. It's not helping you get strong. So my job as a pastor is to confirm my trust. I've got to feed you the right stuff. And then number two, look over here in uh, Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 4 in verse 6. Now, Paul is writing to Timothy. This is a letter to tell Timothy how to be a good pastor. Okay? He said, But if you put the brethren in remembrance of these things, you shall be a good minister of Jesus Christ. So if I don't put you in remembrance of these things, can I be a good minister? No. So in order for me to be a good minister, I've got to put you in remembrance of these things. He said... You've been nourished up in the words of faith and of good doctrine or good teaching. Whereunto thou hast attained. How did he attain? By good teaching and he was fed, nourished, right? With words of faith. He said, but refuse. Now here's the stuff I'm going to tell you. This is the stuff that I have to put you in remembrance in order to be a good minister. But refuse profane and old wise fables. Now, Let's stop right there. We all know old wives' fables. And they're, uh, here, I'll just give you some. A penny saved is a penny earned. The good Lord helps them who help themselves. Godliness is next to... None of those are true. They're, I mean, they're, all not in the, they're all wives' fables. But we paid attention to it because we all know them. He said, but refuse those. That means you've got to say, no, nah, that ain't right. And what's profane? Now, in the Greek, the word profane just means accessible to everybody or it's common. The word profane comes from the Latin word profanus, which means outside the temple. Anything that's outside the temple. Or you could say this, anything that's outside the covenant. It's said in Hebrews that Esau was a profane person because he despised or he didn't give his attention to the fact that he was the covenant keeper, his birthright. Y'all remember that? Here's profane. This is what profane is. Anything that you give your attention to that ain't inside your covenant. That's why, you know, when you're listening to all these voices, take heed what you hear and what measure you give it to. Y'all remember that? Because, I mean, no bird flu coming. Is that profane? For me, it is because it's outside my covenant. That means I'm not going to pay attention to that. Y'all following Okay, alright. He said, "...but refuse profane and old wise fables, and do what? Exercise thyself unto godliness." Godliness is really godlikeness. Being like God. The only way you're going to be like God is to what? Exercise yourself. Did you all see that? Now they were talking about having a strong conscience. If, you don't, if you're weak physically, it's because you didn't exercise... Same thing spiritually. If you don't exercise yourself, it's going to cause what in your life? Weakness. Now watch this. For bodily exercise profits little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, having the promise of zoe, life, that now is, when is it? Now, and that which is to come. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exp- exception. ex. You should accept it. <laughs> accept, that's it. Acceptation. King James gets me after a while. Listen. Now watch, because this is where most ministers were talking about my job. Did he say that don't do bodily exercise? In fact, because I heard most people, oh, bodily exercise profits a little, so that's why this fat fat butt minister don't do nothing. Huh? Y'all heard, I heard him quote that junk. Paul assumes that you're going to do bodily exercise here. It's the first part in exercise. He says, exercise yourself to be like God. Bodily exercise is the first level. Did you see that? If you just stop there, he says it profits just a little. He assumes automatically you're going to, because in Romans 12, 1, the first thing you've got to do is present your body a living sacrifice. Then you can renew your mind. 1 Corinthians 9, he said, I bring my body into subjection. I'm not training haphazardly, I'm not beating the air, I'm running to obtain an incorruptible crown. First level is put your body into subjection. Bodily exercise, If you listen, will your conscience tell you it's okay to be lazy? If you want to be strong spiritually, if you want to have a strong conscience, the very first thing you've got to do is start exercising your body. I never heard no minister preach that, mostly because they don't. Listen, you're never going to go beyond anybody that you're yoked up with. I don't receive jack diddly squat from anybody that's a minister that can't take care of their body. I used to, till I got strong. There's no way you can be strong spiritually if you can't even do the very first simple thing that Paul says is put your body under and exercise that. Not real popular, but I can look at a minister, and if they ain't taking care... I'm not saying you've got to be a bodybuilder, but if they ain't even putting their body under, there's no way they're strong spiritually. Without fail, every minister that I've come across that does not do bodily exercise is weak spiritually. And what they can do is tell me what they heard from somebody that they heard, from somebody that they heard, but when the rubber meets the road, they are weak. Because they can't even put their flesh under. They don't exercise their flesh. Will your conscience tell you it's okay to sit on the couch and eat Twinkies and Cheetos? There's absolutely no way I can give you Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. In fact, most of the Old Testament was God telling these people under an evil conscience what to eat and what not to eat so that they wouldn't be fat and lazy. Look over here. Hold your finger right there. We'll be right back. Hebrews, Yeah, this ain't too popular, but I'm telling you, if you want to be strong spiritually, the first thing you've got to do is get your flesh. The flesh is weak. If you can't dominate your flesh, can you dominate any other cotton-picking thing? Not one thing. Not one thing. If you can't make your body eat or not eat what your spirit wants it to, you ain't going to dominate Jack Diddley. It ain't going to happen. Hebrews 6. And verse 12 says this, that you be not slothful or lazy, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And over in 1 Corinthians 11, Paul said, be ye followers of me, even as I follow Christ. As your minister, i got to lead from the front. Isn't that what they're saying? So, I wouldn't follow anybody that don't do bodily exercise. That's the very first cut. He says it profits little because if you just stop right there, it it only profits you a little. But it does profit, doesn't it? I mean, because I run and I exercise, I can occasionally have ooey gooey butter cake. Why? Because what I do is I take some of that profit that I build up and I buy some ooey gooey butter cake. Most people, they'd be stuffing their face with Oreos. They ain't got no profit. They're running a deficit. Not only, not only are you bankrupt, man, you mortgage your entire future as you're shoving ice cream and cookies in your mouth because you don't have any profit. You're operating in the red. But, and, and if you want to be strong spiritually, the first thing you've got to do is get, deal with your flesh. And, but, and you're not going to if you don't have somebody that's leading you doing that, are you? When you start seeing me get fat, Run. I'm serious about that. Because this should be a red flag for you. If you look at how I'm living and I can't put my flesh under and it's dominating me now, am I really? Is my spirit dominating anything else? If I can't dominate my flesh, which is weak, it's the weakest thing there is. Jesus said it. If I can't do that, you shouldn't be following me. And the second that you see me, watch and be like, man, hmm. Something's going on with Andrew. He gained like 40 pounds. Why would I gain 40 pounds? Because I stopped dominating my flesh. There's, there's no other reason for it. I got lazy. And if I'm lazy with something that's weak, do you think I'm keeping up with my, uh, you know, praying for you or, or commanding stuff or keeping my airspace pushed out, keeping sickness off... me mi- If I'm doing that, I can't keep you safe. Because that's part of my job as the shepherd is to push out the airspace so that you're covered. Isn't it? That's why I say, in here, ain't nobody dying. We ain't losing houses. We ain't, you know, what's not happening. But if I can't dominate me, my flesh, which is weak, how am I going to do that? Same thing with y'all though, right? The very first level is you've got to dominate your flesh. Dominate it. And that was that word that that said that Jesus waxed strong in spirit. It was the word dominate. His spirit rose up to dominate. Now, we're talking about, really, here's my end goal, is that you would go beyond me and possess the earth, your inheritance. That's my goal for you, is to possess the earth. You know why we haven't yet? Let's back it up. Where are we at? If we can't even get off the starting blocks of dominating our flesh, how are we going to push out and dominate the earth? And then after you get your flesh dominated, then you've got to work on your mind, will, and emotions. And then you've got to push our airspace out past that. And if you can't dominate your quarter acre that you're living on, how are you going to dominate the world? Or your household, right? The atmosphere that when you walk into a room, you should dominate a room. But you can't unless you've got bodily exercise at the very first level. Not popular. But do you want to be strong? I mean, we make fun of Karen because she don't give up her workout time. But you know what? That's the very first level. When she leaves a potluck, no, I gotta go. I'm I got an appointment with the gym. What she's doing is dominating her flesh. Don't stop there. You got to go beyond that, though. But that's the first level. We don't do that. No, I ain't saying you know, because I you know I I run. But if there's something that comes up that I need to switch my run, then I'll switch it. I'm not inflexible. But I ain't shoving cookies and ice cream in my mouth 24-7 and laying on the couch and watching Jerry Springer. My conscience won't let me do that. Or TBN, which is worse than Jerry Springer sometimes. Hey, Amen, I know that's right. Sorry, Paul and Jan. Love you. You all following this? All right, go back to Second, or First Timothy. It's awful quiet in here. Be like, I don't like this. Do you want to get strong? See, because here's what my job is, is to feed you and to give you an exercise plan. I can't exercise, because who has to exercise yourself? You have to exercise yourself. Kimmy said to me the other day, she said, you know, you're like one of those personal trainers or a physical therapist, you know, where I can give you an exercise program and while we're together, I can exercise you, but if you go home and you don't do nothing with it, and then you don't do nothing until next Sunday when we get back, now we got to start all over again. You ain't flexible. You know you ain't doing your stretching yet, right? So my job is, I'm laying it out. You got the atmosphere. Look, I'll be straight up with you. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, as far as creating the atmosphere for you to be strong. I mean, we, Kimmy and I made ourselves available three nights a week or three days a week. You, don't, if you don't exercise on your own, you could still show up here and only have two days, Friday and Saturday, is the longest block of time that you don't have to be with me and Kimmy. Because you can come on Tuesday night, you can come on Thursday night, and you can come on Sunday morning. So if you can't exercise yourself, come on, I'll help you. We've made it available. Not, and if you don't come, that's cool too, because I I'll watch American Night on Survivor. It don't matter to me. Because I exercise on my time. And I'm not just talking physical exercise, because that's just the first level. After that, and then you know, now it's time to exercise dominion over my mind and my will and my emotions and start pushing my airspace out. Get you a workout partner. Not just a physical one. Jennings is my spiritual workout partner. We get together once or twice a week because we'll come in there all beat up and dragged down. Because, you know, if you stick in life long enough, it'll beat you down. When we leave, and even if it's on the phone, man, I'm like, yeah, we're giddy up. We're going again. That's why I said one could put 1,000 to flight, but two could put 10,000. Get you a workout partner. See, I, my goal is for all of you to dominate the planet and go far beyond what I could ever go. Then I'll know that I've done my job. If you go beyond me, then I did good. If you don't, then I've failed somewhere. When I was in the Marine Corps, they told me this. If the student fails to learn, it's because the teacher failed to teach. And then they told me this. Those who can do and those who can't teach and those who can't teach go in the ministry. I'm trying to be the exception to that rule. But look, this is this is what I have to do. And, and I learned I didn't learn this from any minister. Nobody in the body of Christ. I learned this stuff from my commanding officer when I was in the Marine Corps. Because, you know, when I was a young corporal and I wore, you know, yellow flip-flops with orange straps, y'all seen them? <laughs> They're like 20 years old. Oh, wow. I take care of them things. Jennings laughs about them. But you know what? That's what I was wearing when I showed up. Now, you know, that doesn't go good with camis. You know? But my CEO saw something in me, and what he did is he conferred his trust into me. And he got to the point where, even as a young corporal, 20 years old, he had me giving a brief to a two-star general on the fire support plan. That was his job as a captain to give it. I'm the only enlisted guy here, and I'm giving the brief. Now, you know what happened? Now, I could have really screwed it up bad. But he trusted me, and I was scared, but I gave a brief, and it was decent enough. that The general asked me, he didn't say, who are you? He said, who's your commanding officer? Now, in front of all these captains and all these majors and colonels who gave their brief, and it was his turn to give a brief, but he conferred his trust to me to give the brief. After I gave the brief, good job, son, but he don't care who what my name is. He want to know who, who's my commanding officer. Uh, so when I told him, and then he said, in front of everybody, there's a leader of men. Now everybody's kicking themselves. I should have found me a corporal to give my brief. <laughs> Right, and that's what they'll do they'll go try and copy that next time I mean no it ain't going to work next time General's already knows what you're up to now but you know he was, it wasn't about that to him for him I mean he, he didn't care about that what he cared about was developing the people under him that they would surpass him I learned that from some guy who ain't even born again that's a shame that I got to learn it from somebody that's outside the body of Christ when this clearly is what the, the Bible teaches How I many you know in my mind I really could never surpass him? In his mind, I already have. Because he went to the Naval School of Warfare and he had a you know, college degree and he's a, you know, all those things, he'd been trained for it. And what he did, he took that training, put it into me, and then cut me loose. And then at 20 years old, without all that formal training, gave a decent enough brief for the general to say, Good job. So in his mind, I already surpassed him. Plus he's thirty, I'm twenty. Do you see that? In my mind, I could never surpass him. This is how you're. This is the atmosphere you should be in in order to have a strong conscience. That any wonder you know people in the body of Christ don't have a strong conscience that their spirit isn't strong. We haven't dominated the earth. We haven't walked into our inheritance. What we're afraid to just even get the first level of telling people we got to dominate our flesh and do exercise and watch what we eat? you know, people they don't do that, then they oh God I need a miracle, divine health. No, divine health is because you eat right and you listen to your conscience, because your conscience will never tell you lay on the couch and watch Jerry Springer. Will it? No, because the because that's not the truth. The truth is don't be slothful, but be followers of them who through faith and patience inherit or possess the promises. Your conscience will never tell you anything different than that, then don't be lazy. Is God lazy? You're one spirit with the Lord. Should you be lazy? See, this is, this is not popular, but it'll make you strong. I want to be strong. I want to dominate. I want all the stuff. And then we wonder why the Word isn't working how it's written. It's working just exactly how it's written. <laughs> Amen. It's the truth. You know, what? I, 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 and like it said in Ezekiel, woe unto you all you shepherds who haven't done anything to get your people strong. And we got time go on to what you should do? Or should we wait for that for next week? Keep rolling. rolling. Alright. Go to the next one for me, Joshua. Alright, now watch this. 1 Corinthians 16. And verse 13 says this. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men or act like a man, and be strong. Now look, there's just like Four phrases here, but it breaks down everything that we got to do in order to be strong. Watch your be on guard. That sounds an awful lot like you know pushing out my airspace, doesn't it? Stand fast in the faith. That means I ain't buckling when there's a violation in my airspace. We don't cut and run. Act like a man, right? Quit you like man. Act like a man. I mean, all that wine and stuff, forget it. There's no room for that in the body of Christ. Now, your feeble-minded will comfort you and what? Move on. Because the end goal is to be strong. Now, go to the next one, Josh. Here's what that word strong means. Look at this list. Let's get down to business. <laughs> it means this. Powerful, mighty, stalwart. I like that. Vigorous. Energetic. Sturdy. Stout. About 30 words here, ain't there? Solid. Durable. Sound. Resolute. And determined. Then what? Tenacious. Firm. I like this one because I put it in bold letters. Unyielding. Courageous. Forceful. See how it's getting stronger as we go? Intense. Intense. Fervent Effective. Oh wait, the effective the effectual fervent prayer Oh yeah, uh huh. So if you ever wondered why your prayer didn't avail much, it's probably because you weren't strong. It ain't on God's end. He said the fervent, right? The effectual fervent prayer. Undiluted. Ex- extra, I'll say it like this extraordinary. If you're just ordinary, are you strong? Oh, I don't like this stuff now. Watch extreme, emphatic, severe, harsh, drastic, and radical. Now, we're not weak. We're not needy and feeble in here. And we're not without strength. But we're also not this list either, are we? So what that tells me is look over here in Revelation 3 real quick. go to verse 15 it says i know thy works that you are neither cold nor hot i would that you were cold or hot so then you are lukewarm neither cold nor hot and i'll spew you out of my mouth so what this tells me we could insert the words weak and strong in here because it's opposites if we're not weak and we're not really strong we're somewhere in the middle we're just kind of like lukewarm and jesus says that makes me sick I've run into very few people that are strong in the body of Christ, run into a lot of weak ones and feeble-minded, but the vast majority of people, they are somewhere right there in the middle. They're comfortable, but they're not powerful and mighty, they're not stalwarts, they're not unyielding, they're not courageous and they're not extraordinary. they're pretty much ordinary. Now, got this is the part where you've got to exercise yourself. you need to take an assessment and figure out where am I and and where am I going in life and what do I need to do to get to exercise what do I need to do to get to where I'm unyielding what do I need to do to get to where I'm fervent what do I need to do to where I get to be extraordinary where I'm courageous or bold see because you got all the tools I'm doing everything on my end so really it's on your end at this point to decide what are you going to be strong or are you going to be lukewarm or in the middle? Because you're not weak. You're already beyond weak. You can't stay here and be weak. The weak have already left. There, There's no weak here. The weak have left in droves that didn't want to get strong. And I, I don't know how many, you know, I am not satisfied with just life how it is. I, I'm not. God promised us some really cool stuff and I want it. If He promised it to me, I want it. See, but how bad do we want it? See it, it, do I want it bad enough to be unyielding? To where I don't care what the circumstances say, I don't care what the world says, I don't care how crazy it sounds, I don't care what the the deck is stacked against me, I ain't yielding. I'm not. I don't care what my checkbook says, I don't care what the creditors say, I don't care what the news says you got to be like, no, I'm not yielding. And if that means you've got to be harsh, then be harsh. Notice that nice was not anywhere on that list, was it? It, it? Nice ain't on that list, and nice isn't on the weak list. So what would that make you if you're nice? Lukewarm. Isn't that right? There's an extreme danger in being lukewarm. See, watch over here in 1 Corinthians 10. Cause this is where, when when you're like in the middle, you know you're not weak, so you get kind, you know you kind of think, well, I'm all right because I ain't weak. But if you're not strong, I mean, no hell will take you out, isn't that right? First Corinthians ten and verse twelve says this: Wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed, lest he fall. You know what that means is I'm gonna stay on top of my game. Now we're back to watch ye stand, you know, stand fast in the faith. Cause if you think you're, you're, hey, I'm good. But you're not these things. You're not good, are you? No. What you are is cannon fodder for hell. I ain't trying to. Well, ain't yeah, listen. I ain't trying to scare nobody or nothing. I just want all the stuff that God promised for you. I want it to show up in your life. I want you to surpass me. I, I'm not just saying. It's not just words. See, because that's how I get mine. If For you to go past me, because I have no part in the inheritance as a minister. My part is that you do good, and then I get to share in that. But until you do good, I mean, you know, it's pretty sparse on my end. So instead of working you with force and cruelty to try, I confer my trust to you. And I'll give you all the tools to make you strong, but I can't do it. I could be that physical therapist or that personal trainer or a life coach, but I can't get on the field with you. I wish I could. I honestly wish I could. It's very frustrating. I'm like, God, you know what? Shaft this pastor and thing. I'll go get my inheritance. Does that help you any, though? It doesn't really help you, does it? Go over here to Ephesians 6. Go to the next one, Josh. I think I have it. Yeah. Ephesians 6 and verse 10 says this. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His... might. so... The only way you're going to be strong is in the power of His might. One spirit with the Lord. You're not going to be strong in your flesh. You've got to get past guilt. See, this is all building on everything that we've learned. Guilt is in the mirror. All that gone. I don't, have, I don't deal with that anymore. So if you're feeling guilty right now, you, just take ten, you took ten steps backwards. We're changing spark plugs. Right? Okay. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Now, I put in parentheses up there daily exercise. Because that word put on means to put on like clothes. Like, don't you put clothes on every day? I mean, you no. Know, when I was in the Marine Corps, we had a lot of gear we put on. Flag jacket, helmet, we call it deuce gear. Or the H harness that has all our magazines and first aid kit and canteens and all that. I mean, the first time they gave that to me, it was kind of uh, awkward putting it on. Didn't even know how it all got put together. You know what they did in boot camp? They daily exercised me in putting on all my armor. Exercised. We did drills. Put it on now, go, five, four, three, two slow, get back. Put it on now, five, four, three, two slow, get back, put it back. So we spent all our time going back and forth, back and forth. But what they were they doing was exercising me to put on my armor. We gotta put on the whole armor of God. Now watch this. You remember with Saul and David? Remember when he was fighting Goliath? Let's look at that real quick. We got time. Go to first Samuel. Because what happened? Here comes David and Goliath. Right? Lead up to that. David says, I'll do it. Nobody else will. So he goes to Saul's tent. And he's talking to Saul the king before David, the 16 year old, goes out to fight Goliath, a giant. Now, 1 Samuel 17, we'll start in um, verse 38. And Saul armed David with his armor. And he put on a helmet of brass on his head, and he armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded up his sword upon his armor. And he did what? He assayed to go. Do you remember when the Egyptians assayed to go into the Red Sea? And then they died? They tried it. When you're going into battle, it ain't time to try on new stuff. <laughs> you've this? That's why you've got to exercise and daily exercise this whole armor. Here's David putting on armor for the first time and it's the first time he's going out into battle against somebody. And so he tried it out uh, for he had not done what? Proved it. He had not proved it. And David said to Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off him. And then he took his little slingshot. So in order to be strong, you've got to daily exercise yourself. And you've got to put on the stuff that belongs to you. I'm not going to teach on the armor of God today. But you all know the breastplate of righteousness, that's your equity. If you just got that one on that you know that you have 100% equity with God and there's nothing that you do or you can't do to get the equity, it's already yours, then guilt ain't a problem. If you have that cover in your heart, then you ain't stuck in an evil conscience anymore. You've got to exercise that. When guilt comes, you've got to exercise guilt go. All right, come back over here to Ephesians. It says this. Put on, daily exercise, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, or the Greek word is methods, of the devil. They're the same methods that he's always used. If you're falling for them time after time, it's because you're not strong. It's because we haven't exercised ourselves. See what the world gets this because they'll say, how can you you can't keep doing the same thing you've been doing and expect to get different results? Haven't you ever heard that? Mm-hmm. The same thing holds true here. The, the devil keeps doing you know why he keeps doing the same thing that he's doing? Because he's still getting results. For, watch this. We wrestle not. Against flesh and blood, that Greek word is contend. We contend not against flesh and blood. You ever heard that? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. How many know? Most people in the body of Christ, they do wrestle against flesh and blood. You know why? Because they're not strong. Here's a red flag for anybody: if you see someone wrestling against flesh and blood or contending with flesh and blood, it's because they're not strong. They're weak. Because the flesh is what? Weak. Most people, they still wrestle. And here's how I know that you wrestle with your flesh and blood because you'll actually wrestle with somebody else's flesh and blood. That's a red flag for me. If I see anybody contending with flesh and blood, it's because their spirit is weak and they haven't fixed wrestling with their own. And I see this in tons of ministers that they'll get in a fight over stupid crap with flesh and blood. Fighting with flesh and blood. So-and-so did me wrong. So-and-so did me wrong. wrong. So-and-so did me wrong. And it, that's flesh and blood, isn't it? If you're still wrestling against so and so, did you wrong? It's because you ain't strong. And you know what? If you're wrestling against so and so, it means you're still wrestling with yours. It's a red flag. I can tell exactly where you're at with you the way you deal with somebody else's flesh and blood. Because if you're already past yourself and past the guilt and you've dominated yourself, you ain't worried about them. You don't judge them. You try and bring them along instead of hammering them. Isn't that right? So here's a red flag. If you're wrestling against flesh and blood, it's because you ain't strong. He said, but here's once you're strong and you've gotten past flesh and blood, then you can start wrestling against principalities and against powers and rulers of darkness of this world and the spiritual wickedness in high places or in the sky, in the atmosphere. You start pushing your airspace out. That's how we take the earth. See if hell can always keep you down here, wrestling against flesh and blood, then he's safe. Even though he's defeated, he's still running amok right now till the end of time. till the end of this age, he's running amok. Uh, only because we haven't stood up and been strong and then put him on his way. Jesus has given us the authority to win, but dominion we've got to take. Don't, don't brush over that. The authority is already yours. But for you to dominate, you've got to step up into the, and do it. As a cop, I had authority. I mean, you know, if I didn't enforce the law, I didn't dominate. I didn't dominate people. If I, if I just, oh, I didn't enforce it. Isn't that right? If I had the ability to, didn't I? I had, I, did, I had all the authority. If I did show up and dominate a situation, somebody's going to jail. I mean, I, was, I had discretion. Whether I took somebody to jail or not, took somebody to jail. Doesn't the cop have discretion? You have discretion. You have authority. Whether you use it or not is up to you. There were times when I'm like, it's the end of the shift. You know what? Don't do that again. There were times when I did that. There was other times where it was the beginning of the shift and I had a fight with Kimmy and somebody was going to jail that night. I would say that on the way out the door. Someone's going to jail tonight, I'll tell you that. I was going to go dominate somebody. If I couldn't dominate my house, I was dominating somebody. But it was my choice. We have the same choice. We have all the authority. You're not getting any more authority and more power than you already have. Whether you step up into it and take it or not, it depends on whether you're strong or not. It's up to you. All right. What time? Oh, we got time. Come over here to uh, Second Timothy. Second Timothy in chapter 2. Hallelujah. Timothy writing to Paul, this is the second time around. Watch this. He said, Thou therefore, my Son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, the same commit you to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Did you all see that? Here's my, now, he's talking, to, he's talking to Timothy as a minister. He said, you be strong, and then teach others to teach others. Isn't that what he just said? Endure hardship or hardness as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. "...no man that warreth entangleth himself in the affairs of this life." That's the word bios. Life. Bios. He said, "...no man that goes to war entangles himself with the affairs of bios, that he may please him who has chosen him to be a soldier." Okay, so to be strong, he gives this picture of being a soldier... He said, don't entangle yourself in the affairs of this life. Isn't that what he just said? That sounds an awful lot like uh, the parable of the sower, doesn't it? Look over here in Luke real quick. Luke 8. Exact same language. Verse 14. And they which fell among the thorns are they, which when they have heard, go forth, and they are choked with the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life, bios, and bring forth no fruit to perfection. So what I'm saying here is in, don't entangle yourself with bios or don't get choked out with bios And then he said in in Timothy, where we we started out today, he said, refuse profane things, which are bios. And then he said over here, wrestle not against flesh and blood, which is bios. So now we're back to this thing again of, oh what, bodily exercise profits a little, but if you can't get your bios and your natural flesh under, you're never going to be strong. See how it keeps going back to that? Your flesh is weak. It'll get on board. I promise you, when you start dominating it, it'll get on board. Then you work on your mind, will, and emotions. Now we're on our way to having a strong spirit and dominating the planet. I want a strong conscience. I want you to have a strong conscience. I want you to be wiser than all your enemies and to far surpass me. Back here in 2 Timothy, in verse 5, he says this, And if a man also strive for masteries, isn't that what we're striving for, to master this whole thing called life? Yet he is not crowned except he strive lawfully. What he's saying is, in a contest, we've seen this today, right? You strive for the crown, go ahead and fail the dope test. If you've been, you know, shooting up with anabolic steroids, we're going to strip you of your crown. Don't we see that? What what Barry Bonds? Floyd Landis, Lance Armstrong. Isn't that right? These are all guys that aren't striving lawfully. Or they say they are, but then they've been accused of not striving lawfully. Now we have to have a court case. How I mean, know that... Is that really a good... Do you really feel like you had the mastery of the thing then? Neither does anybody else. You can't cheat. There's no cheating with this. There's no shortcut. To have a strong conscience, there's no magic pill. I can't wave the magic wand, lay hands on you, and pray for you, and poof, you have a strong conscience. You've got to exercise yourself. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say and the Lord will give you understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel, wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. Therefore I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation or the physical rescue which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a faithful saying. For we be, if we be dead with Him, we shall also live with Him. It says if we suffer, or in the Greek it says if we have fortitude, Circle that and write it in your Bible. That word suffer is have fortitude. If we have fortitude, we shall also reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful and cannot deny Himself. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive, not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Then do what? Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. It's the same thing being repeated over and over again. Exercise yourself. Don't waste your time with profane and vain stuff. Don't waste your time with flesh and blood. Don't waste your time with bios. Exercise yourself. Get your flesh under control. You all see this is the same stuff over and over again. I've given you like 15 scriptures to show you this stuff today. So don't shoot the messenger. I want you to be strong. There's more we could go on, but I think we've had more than enough that we could digest today. Feed and exercise. Feed and exercise. I mean, you know, as much as I feed you and give you exercise, you still got to feed yourself and exercise, don't you? So I'll do my part three times a week. You do your part the other four days a week. That's not hard, is it? You only really have to do work four days a week. if you I mean, you just want to absolutely get down to it. That's a pretty even split. Will you? Do you want to be strong? I do. I want you to be strong. Don't waste this stuff. Listen, there's a time coming where this ain't going to be the way it is anymore. Whatever form that the clock takes, it ain't going to be like it is right now. There'll be a time where I won't be available to you three days a week. One way or the other, either because we'll have too many people or we ain't doing this anymore. Take advantage of it. Get yourself strong, surpass me. When you get to the point where you're past me, then you can unyoke and go on. I would bet that that would, nothing would please me more. I won't. I promise you, I won't try to keep you down and be like, "No, nah, I can't believe it. I made them." No, I didn't. All I did is be obedient to God. It would give nothing would give me greater joy than to see all y'all walk into your inheritance and dominate this planet, because then I know I did my job. Start. Th- start. I mean, seriously, take an assessment, Father. What do I need to do to be extraordinary? If he cues you up an idea, search it out. Just Google it. How much? I mean, really, does it take boldness to Google something? He'll give you an idea? Just Google it. And then go on with the next thing. Go on with the next thing. Get your body under. Start working on your mind, will, and emotions. You get an idea, start running it out. That's how you're going to get your inheritance. Ain't, the angels ain't bringing it to you. I'm sorry. I know we've been taught that, but it ain't happening. If they, they would have brought it by now. Otherwise, there's some serious slack angels. Aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? We're like 1,700 years into this thing since the... I mean, if I was God, I'd be getting me some new crew. If that's, you know, that's the best they could do. Isn't that right? Hallelujah. All right, stand to your feet with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Seal it in our hearts. Holy Spirit, I thank you for coming alongside of us, comforting us, helping us, teaching us, leading us, and guiding us in all truth. And I thank you that we could that you show up in real time, in real life, when we absolutely positively need it, instantly and constantly. Father, I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for giving us your word even when it's hard to swallow sometimes. Father, I know it's for our own good and to make us strong. And I thank You for it in Jesus' name. Amen.